Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Shuttlepod podcast. This is the Shuttlepod episode number 70. Today is Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. I'm your host, Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined by Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And Brian Drew. Hey, everybody. And uh, there's a number of things that we want to talk about on the podcast today, um, one of which is news that was all over the internet today um, concerning the companies that own Star Trek um, Mm -hmm. and the whole business behind that. Um, Also, it's just a little over a week out um, since finishing up Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Um, so we wanted to kind of go over that, talk about our general reactions, what we learned. Um, we got to see a Picard panel, Lower Decks panel, um, and then kind of go over some other newsy items that have happened since the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. So, guys, um, why don't we just go ahead and jump right in and we can start at the top talking, talking business, um, which is an, <laughs> an interesting yeah. thing we haven't done too much on the podcast, but uh, it's sort of key to um you know star trek future and what we're going to see so i want to talk a little bit first give give our listeners a little bit of background so of course what i'm alluding to is the merger between cbs and viacom um which has have had a storied history um and star trek is actually owned by multiple multiple companies right now that used to be the same company and then they split and then they all it's very very confusing so like Maybe you guys can sort of bring everyone up to speed and like set the stage for us. You know, who owns Star Trek? Let's start with that. Ah, who owns Star Trek? Ah. You know, the the best answer to that though, and this is one of the things that sort of confuses people, is for the vast majority of Trek, like the pieces to Trek, like the brand itself, it's it really is CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, CBS, but, yeah. CBS, like the brand of Star Trek that you think of as a brand, that's CBS. So that means like merchandise, um, control over like what you get to put the logo on. um, And of course, everything that was ever on TV about Star Trek, that's CBS owned. Uh, What's sort of weird about all this is its former corporate sibling, Paramount Pictures, has the rights to the movies, but only through a sort of weird uh only the lawyers know the details like licensing agreement where they like basically get it back from cbs but at the same time to make things sort of confusing um it's still the 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 movies that they made are still theirs like they always have owned the film library right Mm -hmm. so it's it's funny like they have always owned the films but they also have a license from cbs to make new ones It's, it's this really weird like deal between the two companies it's so it's weird it's convoluted most people like can't follow it i don't blame them like i don't blame them it's it's weird um and of course they all used to be under one big happy umbrella until 2006 so uh you know it used to all be paramount which was part of viacom which was that's it done that that's all you need to viacom is sort of the umbrella to both paramount and cbs is that right right it was, yeah. It was. And, it was, and, and now is again. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, no, it's it very strange. And it took a, people a long time to wrap their heads around it. And like we said, a lot of times people still kind of go, you know, say Paramount when really that's CBS or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, like we say, it's still confusing because CBS basically gets to have control of the brand. 
even when it comes to merch and things like that with the movies it's 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 confusing to people because of that and i i I get why so this will actually be really nice because we can stop saying that yes it should in theory streamline everything yeah so the short version of the story is it used to go viacom is the umbrella company of cbs and paramount right and cbs always made the tv shows and paramount always made the movies well actually paramount no no paramount used to make everything that's why it's confusing to people CBS right. used to have nothing to do with the Trek on TV or anything. Right. It's so it's so interesting that like when when Viacom split their em, em, their little empire got split up, they gave like pretty much everything TV you could think of that wasn't on cable to see to this new CBS corporation. That's where it gets mm-hmm. weird and dicey. Like yeah. that's where it loses people. Is yeah. CBS used to have nothing to do with Star Trek like at all. And then, yeah, now that you say Viacom, that, I'm imagining, yeah. I'm picturing the Paramount, um, yeah, mo- oh, yeah, the Paramount and logo, logo on exactly. the, at the, the end Paramount of every, logo was, was every on every show, show. Yeah. everything. Yeah. Paramount bought Star Trek and along with Desilu in 1968, and they owned it until 2006. Yep, and then it just got weird because basically most of the assets of like Paramount, the TV studio, like the Paramount, like the TV studio that we think of, like things that like UPN, which doesn't exist anymore, but the assets of like UPN and the assets of like, uh, like the Paramount syndication that gave us Mm -hmm. Star Trek, the next generation and like deep space nine, all of that stuff went into the newly reformed version of CBS corporation. It's so weird. It's, it's a really weird like thing. And so, but because of that CBS basically held all the cards, like, you know, uh, they basically had what Star Trek was. Yeah, and, um, it, and it badly hurt Paramount. Oh yeah, I mean Paramount the, lost. I mean, they, they even yeah, you know, we talk about just they're losing Star Trek. They lost like you know their big syndicated shows like Cheers and all these other shows. Yep. That they any it's a really interesting. Yeah, almost anything TV related that you thought of as Paramount went to the new CBS. They, they just took really, it away from them. Yeah. Yep. So here's something really I really never actually breakup. understood about this: is why did the breakup happen? Uh, it's it was a money thing, a stock thing. It, yeah, totally. They just it, spun. They took CBS and spun it off into its own corporation. I'm, right. surpri- I'm was, surprised. If, if you're the head of Paramount, or what's going to become just Paramount, why would you give up all these amazing properties? You don't have a choice. They had no say. Okay. The, yeah. Way at the top level, the ownership. That's the other funny part about all of this is they're still basically like they were always still sort of distant cousins because at the very top. Uh, at the who had a seat on the board of both of them were the Redstone family. This mm. gets way into the weeds that some people mm-hmm. don't care about. But here's the real the real weeds are that actually way at the top, the Redstone family still had seats uh, at both Viacom and CBS and always did. And so it's really weird that they're like these estranged, almost like cousin companies, and but they've always had ties to each other, but loosely, you know, sort of over the years it got sort of looser. And so they've all, it's just like inevitable that they would come back together, right? Because they've always sort of had these loose ties to each other. So it's, it's very strange. That's all very strange, but very soon it won't matter. <laughs> right. Basically, our Humpty Dumpty is being put back together again. Yeah. So it's interesting because we've been hearing rumblings about a merger of some kind for a while now that then yeah, a, a while ago yeah even a year or two ago we heard something and then things went south and we didn't hear about it for a while and then just recently again all this stuff has come back up again and yeah. then relatively well, and you know what you know what changed right the linchpin in all of this is less moon vest went bye-bye yeah 
Well, to some degree, that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge part of it because he but was. Let's move us. Of course, is the head it. of CBS for those that don't know that. Was, yeah, was the head of CBS until yeah. not too long ago. He was staunchly opposed to it because he wanted it sort of on his terms and his way. And so. And this was well, basically him and Sherry Redstone battling, right, for for how some, yeah, this merger was even going to go. To Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. So with but him yeah. gone, things and the media climate changing massively. Yeah, it, that's that, that's it. That's it. That, that's really what's S- propelling But people this. don't maybe know is both cbs and viacom are actually kind of small fish these days because i mean look how massive disney is they just bought fox too right and like mm. they're massive and so everyone is looking around going what can we gather up like what can we conglomerate to to stay alive in this new media climate and so it, it was seen like as an inevitability that cbs and viacom they used to be together they should be together and now they pretty much have to be together to stay competitive yes and and of course when you say new media climate i can assume that you're talking about all the new streaming services right yeah absolutely i mean it's crazy when you figure like um both apple you know and amazon are throwing their weight around and they're like trillion dollar companies yeah they have like so much cash to burn if they wanted to Mm -hmm. that, that they could so you can imagine like only billion dollar companies like multi you know that are multi-billion dollar companies, they're actually small fish now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy landscape. Well, of course, and, you know, we know that when they created CBS All Access and sort of pushed Trek, Star Trek Discovery yep. is one of the sort of tentpole, if you want to call it that, you know, flagship shows for the All mm-hmm. Access brand platform. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that was citing them citing, you know, how to be them wanting to be competitive in this yep. world. And I know even in the... Um, some of the articles today coming out like from the New York Times and things like that talking about the merger um, they are citing again uh, wanting to be competitive in this new this new market yep mm-hmm. yep for sure because Viacom has some, Viacom played a sort of different streaming game so that's actually one of the questions of like what do they do going forward with all the various ideas that, that both companies have had for how you, you know what you do with streaming platforms and so um, we actually just learned on an investor call what at least their current plans are, which is good to know. So at the moment, anyway, it, they're probably, this is kind of the obvious thing, right? Which is like, hmm, all those lovely Viacom TV properties. So that's things like Nickelodeon, MTV, and Comedy Central, right? Those will probably show up pretty soon on All Access, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, almost great. And they, they also said that this; these are sort of logical like things to do. They also said that probably the Paramount catalog for like streaming movies will show up on. It's a, sort of where you'd expect it to go, which is will show up on Showtime because that's sort of their premium like movie you know channel or streaming service. It's both, um, and that makes sense. So so you know they're hoping to do that even before they real kind of like how Disney was starting to make moves before the Fox buyout went through hmm. they're they're sure that this is gonna like they're sure this is gonna be approved by the you know the FCC oh yeah yeah this will go through this It'll is gonna go through. go through oh yeah and it's oh, yeah. and they, they expect there's no it reason to... for it not to there's nothing exactly and you're talking about the F- the fcc approval? the regulatory approval yeah so the, since they know that's like a given because honestly this is like two small fish getting together so like no one's gonna have a problem with this you know mm-hmm. um it's it's not like disney buying fox which got a lot of scrutiny um, for good reason. 
And so they know that this is going to go through. It's also, like we said, it's been seen as an inevitability that these two, like, estranged siblings should come together anyway. So they're already starting to make plans for what yeah. to do when it happens. Yeah. I think, though, I know that they are planning on, like you said, to move Showtime, you know, all the, the Paramount films to Showtime and keep the TV stuff on all access. But I don't think that's going to be viable for very long. They're going to have to consolidate it. If Disney's pulling out, you know, oh, Warners yeah. and doing are all oh, like, yeah. putting these, you know, giant streaming services together, it's going to have everything. Then, then they cannot be playing games with like multiple different services. Yeah, no, sure. They want, if they want, if they want a very strong, robust offering, they're going to have to combine all of it. Oh, I because, agree. Because when you look at all access, have you ever looked at the movie selection on all access? It's a <laughs> oh, it's, joke. It's pathetic. Yeah, and it's I pathetic. think they know that. Well, I think yeah. they know that. I too. mean, even the so. whole. I remember when Discovery was first coming out, and they kept saying, "Not only will you get Star Trek Discovery, you'll get access to our whole library of shows." And it's like, cool. That <laughs> great. All those CBS shows that I usually watch with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't well, that, that wasn't exactly. tantalizing. I mean, actually, no. I mean, to be fair, I did watch one show um, on CBS All Access other than Discovery, which was MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's available other places too. And uh, you know, as we know, Star Trek is also available in its entirety on Netflix and Amazon. Yep. And Amazon. True. That's where I was watching animated series. It was Prime. Yeah. Yep. So it's yep. like, yeah, whether they finally pull everything back who knows mm-hmm. yeah it'll be interesting to see if they remove track off of these other services you would think they would that will eventually happen it may yeah. be years out though because mm. they've got i mean they certainly have deals in place with like amazon prime and netflix fairly recently i think they re-up deals like recently as in like the last like multi-year deals that, yeah yeah uh... multi-year deals yeah so all right let's let's sort of cut to the heart of this the thing that everybody is has been wondering for the last 15 minutes, which is what are the real ramifications for Star Trek due to this merger? And just to be clear, like, so this is, this is basically finalized, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they spent a bunch of time in the last like two business days, hammering out the very last details of like for approval from both boards and they approved it. Okay. And so the note, the, the, the story today was we're doing this. It's done or it's it's already done. Yeah. They've agreed on a stock swap, you know, cost like price for everyone. Like it's done. They have a new, they have a new top leadership, you know, of who's going to take, who's going to be the CEO of this new thing. Who's going to be, you know, who's what chairman. Yeah. All that stuff. They, they already have an idea. They've already signed off on it. You know, both boards signed off, but the whole thing's done. Basically what we're waiting on is the regulatory part of it. Okay. And so when will this all actually go into effect? They, they expect the regulation side to sign off on it by the end of the year. So Mm -hmm. like, We'll see this for like really, really probably twenty twenty sometime. But they'll start to like we said, but they're gonna start to make forward. the moves. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll start move to make moves on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They they already know to some degree whether it will go through or not. It's just a matter of getting through the formalities of it. Yeah, you don't bother pushing through something like this unless you think it's gonna go through. Yeah, well, like we said, they they've been feeling this out like pretty seriously for about a year so you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it's not like they don't know like okay this is has a you know 99.9 chance of being approved you know mm-hmm. so they know yeah. so this will this is a very good thing for both companies it's particularly good for certain divisions like it's a really good thing for paramount It'll yeah probably put the studio back on its feet because it's kind of looking back now 
considering they've had they had so much stripped away from them, it's kind of a miracle Paramount Pictures still exists. Hmm. It, it is just, true. Yeah, I mean, and they it, it, the past I think three years in particular have been very very rough for the studio. Right. Which you they know, just like sort of Star started Trek to turn wasn't around. really theirs. Like so, they kept trying to hang on the Trek, but then the fourth movie fell apart, and then this Tarantino thing's in flux. Transformers kind of burned out, mm-hmm. and, that, and they don't really even own Transformers. It was a Hasbro license, and like there's just and you know the Mission Impossible movies obviously are a big. That's thing their for, that's their savior, I think. Honestly. Right, mm-hmm. and it's a huge money maker. That, yeah. that's a that's a billion dollar franchise. But like, speaking of a Mission Impossible, that's actually another thing that's part of. That's split yep. up that we didn't. That's Desi, you know, a cousin from the Desi Lou era, right? Mission Impossible, of course, mm. was a 60s TV show. And technically, they have the same problem. Not that anyone's trying to do a, a TV series, but they had the same problem. Um, CBS got all the TV properties, which includes mm. the Mission Impossible TV show, which is why Mission Impossible is on all access. The original right. series is on all access. Right. Mm. Right. So this, again, brings everybody back together and lets them go, hmm. Well, the movies are successful. Maybe we should leverage that. And of course, they're already thinking about this. They've said so publicly. Like, how do they leverage this, like across multiple forms of media? So, like, yeah. do they have some kind of you know, spinoff thing that they do for, you know, all access? That's part of the MI brand. You know, they're already yeah. thinking about how they. Make or, this or they might just let the next two. Tom Cruise is going to make two more movies back to back, and then he's done. So maybe right. they're they, maybe they'll like. That'll be part of a larger uh, rebranding or reboot or whatever you want to call it down the line. There you go. Exactly. There you go. But they're definitely looking ahead going, all right, cool. We can do something with this now. You know? Right. Right. You know, it's amazing to me. And and I said this to uh, Tony Pascal earlier today. It's amazing to me that like during the, the, uh, the press interviews earlier today, the new CEO of, of this new company, Bob Bakish, I believe his name is. Mm Mm-hmm. He went on and on about how, you know, Star Trek and Mission Impossible are like some of the key linchpins of this whole deal. And it's just funny to think back that when Paramount bought Desilu in 68, that both Star Trek and Mission were losing so much money for the studio <laughs> that it basically it basically knocked Desilu out. Ha, that's true. Which is why, yeah. which is why, which is why, you know, they were, you know, Lucy wanted to sell and Paramount bought the studio so it's just amazing that those two and now the people who are going to listen to this and go oh well mission impossible was a hit tv show it was yeah but it was expensive what to what, make. what what desi lu was paying was paying to make the show and what cbs was actually paying to license it were two different things and they were losing money on the show every mm-hmm. single episode and mission cost more than star trek did wow so it's just funny to think that these two money losing shows <laughs> yep, from the that 60s. They, that they happened to acquire along with this other, with the, you know, with this TV production company, ended up being the key parts of the entire acquisition. <laughs> it I really know. is amazing. It's, it's true. It's, it's it's what saved them. It's also nice as a Trek fan to be like, yeah, you want Star Trek? That's right. It's going to make you some yeah. money because like Star Trek is, has, you know, we've talked about this before. Like Star Trek is never is not cool. You know, it's not right. Star Wars cool. Like no. Star Wars but is. They want it to be. Yeah, yeah, and it's just never going to be. And that's, and that's kind that's of the point. You know is, but that's a whole is, other. It's a good stable. It's a stable, you know, workhorse of for them. It's not. It's not something to be exploited. Like you know, and but it's something that's a but stable. The, the workhorse fact that for them. they care so much about it and they think that it's a successful thing, like as a Trek fan, makes me feel good. It's like that's right. Trek is awesome for you, and you are grateful for having it. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, they're grateful for having anything. Um, <laughs> well, they are. It's true. Trek is like you know one of their few brands that they can exploit, and that goes back to something else that was said today, and was written up in an article in Deadline, mm-hmm. where they were going on about how Trek is going to become you know Viacom CBS's Marvel. And I got a little oh, newsflash for you right yeah, now, they need to folks. Stop saying that. Oh, that my shit ain't happening. No. no. Just, I mean, it's like, it's like, look, you know, Disney just learned that even Star Wars isn't Marvel. You know what I no, mean? Marvel the is last its year. own unique thing. Yeah. Yeah. They need. It may never be another Marvel ever. No, no. But people want to. People want to find the next Marvel, and of course, like ask DC how that's working out. I was going to say, too, even DC way. hasn't been able to do it, and yeah, you would yeah. think yeah. that if anyone could replicate their success. In theory. In theory, it would be DC. DC. And Warner. Yeah, yeah which they may still down the yeah. line. Because they are starting to get their act together. So they we'll are, see. but again, they came out of the gate thinking they could do it, and totally, you know. But also, just fell. don't. <laughs> does everything have to be a Marvel? No, Why can't it, it be doesn't. Trek? Why can't Star exactly. Trek be Star Trek? Exactly. Because Hollywood. All Hollywood does is repeat things. Yeah, they they well, see a model. Well, Star, that was Star Trek has over fifty years of history. They can think about repeating. Yeah, I agree, but they don't. But they want short term gains, not long term. That's, That's their the problem. I know. That's, that's the short, that's the thinking. Anyway, so fingers crossed that they don't like overexploit it because as we've seen in the past, when Star Trek is pushed too hard, it falls apart. Right. So, I mean, at least on the CBS side, we know that they're very conscious of that and have been trying to be careful about how and what, you know, where and sort of how they expand the franchise. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and, and also my hope is now that everybody's going to be back under the same roof, that maybe there'll be people at Paramount that can who might have been there during the first go around hmm. might be able to chime in and say guys be careful about how hard you push this thing mm-hmm. because as we've discussed in this podcast before one of the things that cbs lacked when they started producing these new star trek shows is they had no institutional memory of how to produce star trek that's right no nope. paramount Cause... knew exactly how to do it because they had been doing it since 1978 with with the motion picture you know what i mean like they'd have been a pretty much steady stream of production of course so, a lot of those people are gone from yeah, either right. been over but there are years. there are people yeah, but there are people still there like dave yeah. rossi and a bunch of other people are still over at paramount oh yeah yeah that's good. It's, that's true hopefully you know cooler heads will prevail okay guys yes let's do a few things let's do this kid show sure we got this fun you know comedy show and picard and maybe some other show that's fine but like measured growth yep they need to be careful for sure Speaking of, uh, just real quick, speaking of the whole CBS thing, at the moment, we don't know, because people want to know, okay, well, now what about all this other stuff, right? Like, what about the Tarantino script? Who who gets to oversee all this stuff? At the moment, while they sort things out, they don't really have, like, a, a permanent plan. But at the moment, it's still actually, they're still thinking it's going to be under CBS Studios. So, that make, which makes sense. They're the ones who, are, A, they're the ones who are buying, buying Viacom. And B, they're the ones who actually have their stuff together have a whole okay. franchise unit you know so right. but a lot of this stuff is still in flux we really oh know. yeah it, it, it very well likely will change a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah this this should never should this breakup never should have happened in the first place no, so no so this is a good thing it is so what's what's the like you know in a nutshell you're the you're talking to a casual star trek fan why should they care whether cbs and, and viacom are getting back together uh, I guess the short version is is hopefully that means 
both movies and TV shows will be a coordinated effort again, like we had mm-hmm. in the 90s. That's kind of the short version. Yeah, just a more coordinated effort. Everything could be produced out of like one office, so you don't have to have... There can be a Star Trek office again. They can be a full-blown yeah. Star Trek production office now. I mean, there basically was almost that with Secret Hideout and their new franchise group, but I think right. basically this will form, this will right. make that like truly official. Mm. Right, and we don't know, by the way, if Alex Kurtzman has anything to do with any kind of future feature film. I'm sure he's angling for it because that's the kind of person he is, but... Yeah, it's, it's very unclear. We just, like I say, the only thing we know is hey, the person he reports to at CBS is the is currently who's in charge of all of Star Trek, like, while they figure this out. David Staff mm-hmm. David Staff at CBS Studios is, is, like, everyone's boss, basically. That's who Deadline reports is kind of overseeing Trek as they merge. Now, mm-hmm. post-merger, we don't know. But at the moment, that's where it's right. going. Yeah, we, like I said, we don't know anything how this would affect the Tarantino project or anything. We don't know if that script is tied up with Bad Robot. Well, and again, they can find ways to make that work because yeah, they could just buy out the right, whatever the rights yeah, or whatever. They'll figure yeah. it out. Um, yeah, because it, Bad Robot is going to be probably be bought out under Warner Brothers soon. Well, but as we've said in, in some of our analysis, that doesn't stop them from working with no. Paramount. For no, example, but, they're, but in, they're in certainly... a short term, in a short term way, I think, not in the yeah. long term. Yeah, no, no, definitely not long term. And that's the other thing is like these changes are definitely not short term. Like no one, we're not going to see anything of any substance really change this year, or probably even the the plans for next year. You know what I mean? Like the mm. 2020 slate of Star Trek shows and stuff. That's done. That's happening. Yep. Like yep. like nothing is going to suddenly change there. Um, it would be things like the Tarantino movie if that goes anywhere, and then undeveloped things like the section 31 show still has never been officially greenlit mm-hmm. so right that, so that could be affected yeah. but stuff that's already like happening i mean the nickelodeon cartoon that's happening we'll talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit later too just because we learned a little bit about it not not much but a little something and of course lower decks is well underway that's happening picard is is basically done give or take a little bit so obviously that's happening it's it's just it's so it's very much future looking stuff it's like what's in 2021 and beyond that would really be affected uh speaking of stuff that we know is definitely happening and what's coming up in 2020 um Uh as you just alluded to matt we got uh quite a few little tastes of what's to come in las vegas two weeks ago um Mm -hmm. so why don't we switch gears a bit and talk about that all right um So, first of all, kind of like we do for when we watch when we watch episodes of Discovery, what were your general reactions to the 2019 <laughs> Star Trek Las Vegas convention? Uh, who wants to go first? I thought it was okay. I, I was not blown away by this year's convention. It was a definitely a lower key vibe. For yeah, various reasons I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it while I was there. Why that was. I still don't quite know why it felt like that. Yeah. I think, well, part of the problem is, is like we're in this lull where we're just, we're waiting for new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows that Picard is like right around the corner, but it's not here yet. And well, of course, know, that's kind of holding. That's compounded by the fact that they, CBS keeps such a tight 
hold on any information about the shows whatsoever. Like anything yeah. that yep. is a spoiler. Like you can remember when um, someone tweeted a picture of a green screen from the Discovery set or a picture of the ceiling from the Discovery set and then they got a talking to and had to take the photo down. Like it's that yep. level of secrecy. So it's like the stuff is coming up, but because they're so tight-lipped about it, they can't even give us no. any little nuggets about it. As as nope. Jonathan Frakes' lovely t-shirt that he was wearing at STLV <laughs> says, yeah. don't ask me, I signed an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. And those must I be like some that. serious legal documents. Oh, I'm sure they are. Yeah. But but they spent half their time, it felt like, on stage, just like freaking out, especially Frakes, worrying about whether he was saying anything he wasn't supposed to say. Yeah, those I know. Poor, I know, those poor guys, yeah. I feel bad, because Frakes, you know, is kind of known to let things slip. And, you know what? But it's, it's always And it's always tiny things. Yeah. Like that good. in the end, it ends up, I don't know, it seems like it just ends up generating more excitement for stuff. So I, I, And I've got to tell you, if you're going to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to No, no, go ahead. I... Don't understand why you would then put Jonathan Frakes, Jerry Ryan, and Jonathan Delarco <laughs> right. on stage and not let them say anything. Right. Right. Yeah. What was the point? Say, if like, you, if you can't really yeah, say if, stuff, sorry. Either give these people permission to say throw a little bone. It doesn't something. have to be anything big. Just something yeah. out there. Otherwise, you know what? Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Well, I- because it, we ended up sitting there during that panel like, you know, it's great to see all three of them. It was, so, it was lovely to see them, but it was nothing to it. I could have seen a picture, then it would have been the same. <laughs> like, yeah, so it was, we should let's let's talk there. about that panel for a second because a hell of a lot of people turned up for this panel. Yeah, because CBS and Creation purposefully were very mysterious about who was going to be on this panel. Right? Yeah, right. they were. Yeah, they very purposefully left it vague. They didn't even so say who was going to be on it. Right. So I think I think wasn't it known that Frakes was going to host yes, it? But we yes. We didn't know if anybody else was going to be involved. That that initially that was true, right? It was just gonna, right. And then we sort of and then it became obvious that uh, Jay Ryan and Jonathan Delarco were going to show up too. But again, they were keeping it very mysterious. And so, um, for two reasons, this is both annoying and sort of disappointing and, and confusing. Because let's go back to 2017 mm-hmm. when Discovery was still new and hadn't aired yet, but they brought mm-hmm. people to Vegas. So now they couldn't bring a lot of people because a lot of people were still shooting. But the, who, the people who were like available were kind of rotated out, right? And like came to Vegas and talked. And so they already sort of had an MO for this, you know, about a new show that was in production but not aired yet. We've already seen, you know, what they were going to do. And so you kind of thought, huh, maybe some of the new actors might that are free you know because they don't have a scene that weekend or whatever like you know that they weren't working that friday or something would maybe come through and say hi and like we would meet them because that's essentially what happened in 2017 uh nope uh much to our sort of surprise there was literally no one new to star trek on this panel yeah and when we we asked you know we were trying to get information on what we might see that day so we were asking people that that knew exactly what was going to happen you know what's mm. going to happen and they're like oh, yeah, of course i can't tell you you know um being very very tight-lipped about it, like i can't say one way or the other and so it's like oh it's just and you know again so you mentioned 2017 what about 2018 and that well that's the biggie now this one of course is sort of unfortunate because this is like one that we all just sort of were hoping slash maybe you got a little jump to conclusions matt and jumped to you know but <laughs> 
And creation and CBS are being very coy purposefully so that way they can just be like, well, we didn't say it, so uh-huh. you can't get mad at us. But yeah, last year, of course, was that huge thing where, uh, you know, Sir Patrick Stewart just kind of popped in, no big deal, right? And announced Picard existed mm-hmm. at Las Vegas, not at Comic-Con, which was Not awesome. at Comic-Con. It was the most amazing thing I have ever seen at a convention yeah, in my life we, it was, by far. It was, yeah, we've ran- yeah. we've rambled about how awestruck we were with this, but it is really true. It was it was amazing to be in that room. The wave yep. of of you know the, just the wave of surprise, excitement, and just love for it just mm-hmm. through that room. So of course you can't you won't have that again per se. But like again, them being mysterious, it was like oh well maybe they're gonna you know fly somebody in for a few moments and they would just chat briefly or you know something would happen again, and then no. So when, when Patrick Stewart came out on the stage last year, it felt so wonderful, not only just because of what was happening and how amazing that was, but there was this little extra bonus feeling of awesomeness was like, they saved this for us at Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Like, like Matt pointed out which is a really important point they didn't show this at, yeah. at san diego comic-con because they could they could have right. what like like seven to ten days prior i think it was like mm-hmm. they could have done that at, at Comic-Con. well they they were playing on it the only reason they didn't is because patrick stewart and that's insisted, the key piece of info yeah on doing it in vegas and that's the key difference and i didn't learn that i didn't realize that until maybe we had talked about this and i had just forgotten but i hadn't remember that until this year when you guys reminded me at the con so i was like well but last year they did this so i thought they got it you know i thought finally they're saving something for because the real fans like how what percentage of san diego comic-con goers are star trek fans like a a decent percentage probably that are at least passing fans but like how many passing fans right (laughs) but what percentage of people who go to star trek las vegas are hardcore fans 99.9 percent all of them would call themselves to pay to be there a hardcore star trek fan so right, I thought exactly. they got it. And there's like, no, well, it makes me feel kind of awesome that Patrick gets it. But but the people running the show still don't get it. And like, here's the thing that really got me this year. I felt really like just saddened and upset after the Picard um, panel. Because as you guys said, it yeah. was great to see these people. But the thing is, we were hoping they were going to do a little something. And when I mean a little something, I mean a yeah, little throw us a bone. something. Like show yeah. us Two still images that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Show us yeah. some footage of Patrick Stewart walking through the vineyard that we'd already yeah, seen, but maybe grapes. from a different <laughs> angle. Um, <Yeah. laughs> any, give us the episode titles to the first two episodes. Anything. That kind of a thing costs them nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing it's, to it's, give it's, us. It's, it's good PR. It's, it is what it is. And, and, and they went to San Diego Comic-Con and for, you know, forgive me for being um, a little crass here, but they just they blew their load at Comic Con. They <laughs> they put everything up there, and they were like, "This is going to yeah, be huge. We're going to advertise this, blah blah blah." And like, we're doing the show, and Patrick Stewart's back, and everything. And then they come to Star Trek Las Vegas, and they have Jonathan Frakes, you know, Jerry Ryan and Del Arco up there talking about nothing and laughing yeah. about how they can't say anything for forty five right. minutes. And and, that's and they did. It. They 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 basically like were sort of embarrassed and like sorry, you know, like. kind of said sorry to like the audience again and again of like we can't really say like sorry like we'd we'd like to say more but i don't think we can well we'd like to say more but i don't think we can you know it was just like yeah jerry ryan mentioned that they were filming on like the universal backlots and she got like jonathan was like don't say that and it's like really 
We can't know that they're that's filming ridiculous. on a studio See, but that's set? ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, gee, wait, it's in the L.A. area and they're filming on a common, like, L.A. back lot? Oh, shocking. Right. right. So, like, so what? Duh. You know? they're, wait, yeah. they're using cameras? Like, <laughs> yeah, Right. Don't say which ones, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, no. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's very aggravating it's, it's to too see much. that, it's that too much. STLV yeah. is basically an afterthought. Yes, it is. Yeah. Not only did they not send any of the actors, Kurtzman was not there. Yeah. Shabon was not there. Yeah, and it would have been nice to see the people. Kirsten Bear was not there. Nobody was there. None and, of the and, to, team. and to point out that in 2017, they brought people like Kirsten Bear on out, stage. Yep. On stage in 2017 to talk disco and the tie-ins with like the novels and stuff. So again, we had this sort of precedent of like, oh, this is how you've like hyped up to you know a new show before it's aired before we've seen a sort of pattern from you before so where what happened you know like yeah. oh well. what this kind of thing does though is it conditions you to be like okay if i'm going to this convention okay i'm going to see my friends which to be honest i think most of that's, us that's a the lot reason of why we go. we're there yeah sure but but if you, you're clearly then you're you're establishing now that that nothing of consequence is really going to happen at these conventions yeah. so which you yeah. don't you, do you want people to come from all over the world to this because it's like a the the huge like Star Trek convention, especially now that and, like SDCC is starting to like the people are getting SDCC fatigue. It's winding down. There's a lot less yeah, companies and, going. And the yes. studio and the yes. studio, yeah, the studios are starting to pull out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, like yeah, Dis- Disney has their own event and always had. So like yeah, they took they took everything over there and said okay, whatever. I you think know. the only other major studio going besides CBS and Paramount was Warner Brothers. Yeah. So that sounds right. I just want like I don't want us to harp on this for too much longer because I know yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all just yeah. yeah we need to move on. But I just want to say one final thing because this is the mm. thing that I think really helped me understand why I felt so emotional about. Like we're all clearly very like have a lot of emotions about this, and like at least for me, I think I figured out why. Um, and it's because the thing that one of the main things that brought me to Star Trek, and one of the main things I think brings most Trek fans to Star Trek, is this idea that. A lot of us are, a lot of Trek fans are outcasts in some way. You know, they're nerds, they're the freaks and the geeks, you know, they're, um, they're not the most popular kid in school, typically, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, and in Star Trek, we saw this world where that was not only accepted, but celebrated to be different and to be not the mainstream. And so that's, I've had this feeling like Star Trek gives you this feeling of belonging to something like you've never belonged to before. And when... The, you know CBS or whoever owns Viacom mm-hmm. now, you know takes <laughs> takes this franchise that 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 it represents our sense of belonging to this thing, and they take their toys and they go to Comic Con, which is the <laughs> definition of the mainstream, right? They yeah. they yeah. they put everything out there for the mainstream, and then our Star Trek Las Vegas, you know, the Star Trek convention basically invented nerd conventions. Like, And us, we're the fans. The ones in Vegas are the ones who have been there since the beginning, even in the dark times when there was right, no Trek right. on TV. That's right. You know, we've, oh, yeah. we've been oh, there yeah. the whole time and they completely ignored us and they went to the mainstream. And that just feels like once again, like, like Trek is this thing that taught us it's that we were a part of something. And now people who own Trek are telling us we don't care about you because you're just the freaks and the geeks we care about these people who are, we want we want to be Marvel so we're going to go advertise I was gonna say, to that them. goes back to that Marvelization idea that everyone has right they think they could they should do it here I, I, I agree with everything you said Kayla but I will say that 
they have to go and peddle their wares in San Diego because they do need to grow the fan base. Oh, they do, of course. That's fine. Absolutely. That's fine. But again, no, there's no right. question about that. Part. When I said give me something little, yes, but I agree. But that's what I was just about to say. They need to bring us something. Well, yeah, and like okay, so Anything. so for example, even at the TCAs, which is a press event, you know, for for the industry, like uh, earlier, even they got like a 10 second clip of like Patrick Stewart kind of giving like a raised eyebrow. Do you remember this? Right. Is, this is the thing where where the clip where well, when they was, started shooting right after they started yeah, shooting, right? So yeah. And they got them something. So it's like, okay, so you can throw a bone to the, to the, again, this is, it shows you where the priority is. The TCA is about advertisers. Yeah. Oh, totally. Right? Oh, totally. So again, they can throw the advertisers a bone. They can throw the sort of mainstream nerd press a bone at Comic-Con, but they can't even scrape together another little like 10, 30 second clip that doesn't give away anything. Or like, still right, image. You can, <laughs> Anything. Right. Or, or that's right. Or, or yeah, how about some like you know set photos or whatever from like the set photographer? Nothing, nothing. Right. They can't right. even do that for us in Vegas, right. and that's annoying. Yeah, it felt and hurtful. I, it's it's a misstep, I think, for well, sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the whole TCA thing reminded me of something else that happened in 2016 when we were waiting for you know Brian Fuller hopefully to come oh, out yeah. and say something about Discovery. He never showed up. Oh yeah, yeah. And, that's right. And the TCAs which is the Television Critics Association, if we're speaking silly industry jargon here, it's an annual thing that happens in the spring and the summer where TV shows, their casts, you know, uh, executives and so on come out and peddle their wares for the upcoming year and so on. Right. Um, it's basically a big dog and pony show. And yeah. that year, the TCAs fell right after, or, or, or the CBS's portion of it fell right after STLV. Really? So, Yes, so it, it Fuller, earlier in the spring. That's interesting. No, like the one that just happened, like the one that just happened recently, the one that happened yeah. last week. That's what it happened at roughly the huh. same time in 2016. So anyway, anyway, nobody comes to Vegas. They really don't tell us much of anything. And then I think literally that Monday, maybe Tuesday, Fuller and a few other people go to the TCAs and give out this information dump. Yeah, that's right. The I show, that. and I remember, and I remember mm-hmm. they were talking about. Like they said, "Oh, it's going to be in the prime timeline." That was the first time we found out it was going to be in the prime timeline. And I'm, and I, after it happened, I was like, "You know what? That little piece of info means nothing to the television critics no, that are sitting nothing. in that audience." But if you had just bought that little piece of information, little piece, it was nothing to it. It was a little piece of information yeah. to the audience in Vegas. People would have gone nuts. Like, Holy shit! That's fantastic. Yeah, but they didn't do it. No. See again, they we say this often, but they they don't seem to quite understand the fans and like what would be interesting and useful to hype us up, you know. But like Versus... the answer is literally anything. Well, that's true, but but I mean that, but like what Brian just pointed out is that's the kind of thing that they don't seem to understand is like he dropped that nugget on a, people who don't care. They want to see they see Star Trek and they go, okay, cool, that's good for our advertising revenue or whatever, cool, and then that's not the kind of nugget that they need to be, you know, that kind of bit of detail to them is like arcane detail. That doesn't matter, but the Trekkies, it matters a lot, you know? Yeah. So it's just weird that they, it's like, okay, well then choose your venue. Like he can share lots of stuff there too, but like he could choose to share that bit of info at Vegas. No. All right, cool. Whatever. Yeah. A a little more love for uh, the hardcore fan base would be appreciated. Yeah. But we actually, I feel like we learned a couple of things from the Lower Decks panel. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And see, this is a whole, whole totally different panel because yeah. this was the creator of the show and his writer's room that came with him. And they're all funny people. They got to chat. They they knew specifically, like, why that they were there. Like, they were there to talk to Trekkies. Like, yep. And, and mm-hmm. uh, Mike McMahon, who's the creator of the show, is a nerd and a Trekkie himself. Hardcore nerd. Mm-hmm. Right. He's one of and us. So, yeah, Oh, exactly. yeah, very much so. And, and understood the difference in, like, the audience between, you know, Comic-Con and Las Vegas. And even straight up said, I'm excited to come to Vegas and talk to you guys because, like, you're my peeps that I can say, like obscure trek things to and like the room will get it mm-hmm. i couldn't say mm-hmm. i couldn't say this at comic-con because it's sort of the general audience but here i can talk you know hardcore deep cuts with you guys and you know yada yada and it was true like this was an incredibly enjoyable panel these guys were lively yeah they were fun. It was a lot of fun yep they still couldn't tell us a ton because you know they couldn't but they did tell a us a sense. few things. Well, tell me if we already knew this. Did we know? Because Mike McMahon said that the um, the mission of the, uh, what is it, the USS Cerritos? Yeah. The, the mission of the ship is second contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not first contact, but second no. contact. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. I think that was a new piece of info. Yeah. I love how he described it too. It's like you know you've already made first contact, so now you got to send some guys back and you know figure out the good restaurants, good places to eat, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're like I love yeah. that. They're the Yelp of Star. They're Yelp. Yeah, I was like, that's so true. That's so funny because <laughs> so again, good. there's got to be somebody who's doing the less prestigious stuff, right? Yeah, it's like, yep. all right, so cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he phrased it quite that way at Comic Con. So that is actually you're right. That is that's a good. Yeah, and I think, and I think you know the character profiles he bought. He said he wanted to bring something to Vegas, and I mean he couldn't bring much, but I think that the character profiles that they put up on the screens all like had they all blinked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was about to say. He was, he was like, like, it's the first animation, animation you've sorry. seen. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, granted, all they were doing was blinking; they didn't move otherwise. But it was still it, cool. Yeah. It was nice that he. It was and nice he, that he, he said, did that. Yeah, you know? exactly. He said he knew that he needed to give us something different because this is you know for the Trekkies and. You know, here's what he was sort of allowed to give us, and yes, here's a bone. You know, he threw us a bone. Here it is, and that was that was nice. Like like you said, that was nice. He acknowledged that, and the writers yep. got to talk about you know their experience because some of them are Chucky, some of them are not, but they're like getting a crash course in it, mm-hmm. and even hearing about that, like even hearing about the whole crash course of like that's interesting to hear because you know what what do we want to hear that people take this seriously and are interested in it like who cares if they're new to it what we want to know as as truckies is do these guys take it seriously and you know do they do they find it interesting like mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. fine that they're new or casual fans or whatever but do they take it seriously and are mm-hmm. they interested do they in respect the it exactly yeah, yeah. and they do and even the people who are like you know noobs who even said oh we're new to this and like I'm getting a crash course in this right now like have said like well, this is cool. Here's some episodes that I've like picked out that like I already think are cool. Here's this. Here's that. Like you know, my older brother watched it or whatever, and like now I'm you know going back and looking at you know a lot of stories like that among the writing crew, mm-hmm. the writing group, and that was really cool because that's what you want to hear. Like they don't have to be experts, and in fact, honestly, I think you can make a good argument that they should nor should be. they be. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they should be. You know, they should know funny. They should know kind of sci-fi and storytelling. Storytelling, right? And it was and nice so, to see such a diversity um, within 
the not not just with the demographics you know there was um people of color there's men and women and then also this diversity in terms of their backgrounds of you exactly. know some people like you say so come good. from comedy and some come from track uh, you know or have that bat base uh, i loved yeah. the I, f- I forget the, her name um uh, but there was one woman who was wearing she was one of the noobs and she was wearing this yeah. hat that said star trek expert yeah Ann Kim is her name. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Ann Kim. And so, yeah, the, there's a good quote. I like this quote. Yeah, she's, she's one of the outs- examples of, like, this is how you, you know, ingratiate yourself to, like, Trekkies. Is, there's a nice quote from her that we wrote up that said, This hat is ironic, but it's also the most earnest hat ever because the past six months of my life have been dedicated to Star Trek in the most passionate way. I feel so lucky to have been brought into the Star Trek family. And she talks about how, you know, like she was trying to figure out what to watch and a friend recommended that she watch Darmok and like it, it moved her, you know, and she's, she said like it, she cried, you know, it's for the beautiful lesson that was learned in Darmok, you know, that you get from Darmok. And so like, that's what you want to hear is like, all right, that's fine. You've never really watched it before, but you got invested in it mm-hmm. like right away. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. I think we're a pretty forgiving fan base, even at the con. Like, you don't have to be a hardcore fan to go. I've no, I've dragged of some not. of my oh, like oh, non-trekkie no. friends to the con before, and they had a great time. And no one's like, "Oh my god, you don't watch the show." Everyone's just like, "Oh, cool. You you think Star Trek is neat? Like, want to be my friend? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's a There's low totally bar. that aspect to it. There's totally that aspect to it. You surround people and you chat with them or whatever, and it's like, all right, that's cool. Like, yeah, as long as you don't say like Star Trek is nerdy and stupid, then like. Let's get, have a drink together. <laughs> that's right. Well, then we we'll, then we will show you the door. Yeah, but other yeah. than that, like that's the that's the bar. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's right. That's you all, don't that's actively all dislike it. it. Cool. Fine. <laughs> like, let's chat. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What well, we're just like so I know we we can sort of start to think about some other thing future things, but um, as far as SDOB 2019, those were the two probably biggest panels, but there were some other really good panels, and I'm just wondering if you guys had any other particular favorites that stood out. Well, it wasn't exactly, it was a mixed bag, but there was a very nice TMP, Star Trek The Motion Picture 40th panel, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the, but it's a mixed bag because they only gave those guys 45 minutes to talk about it. Yeah. And this is not a movie that you can breeze through its production because it's it's involved. Yeah. It's a little it's kind of convoluted. Its history is really involved. And so, you know, they like uh they brought slides of like behind the scenes stuff and then we're just having to like blast through them. They're like, Oh, but we're out of time. We can't really spend time talking right. about it. And it was a right. real shame. Yeah, yeah, I would have liked a much bigger Because it, I mean we had we had the the visual effects legend, you know, uh, Douglas Trumbull. Douglas yeah. Trumbull was there, and he doesn't really come out and do this stuff normally. Mm. I mean, it was a big deal, and because he has such a storied history, part of the time, and again, they should have they should have like thought about this. Part of the time was talking about like Trumbull's like other work and like just establishing like who he was. Because unless you're a behind the scenes, like you know how the how it's made, kind of not like Brian and I are, you might not know who he is. But you sure as hell know his work because, I mean, like 2001, that's Doug Trumbull. Much most of Blade Runner, that's Doug Trumbull. You know what I mean? Close like, Encounters. Close Encounters, that's Doug Trumbull. I mean, like you, you know, like his work is famous as hell. But if you don't know the behind the scenes stuff, you'd be like, oh, who is that guy? And so they, you know, they spent time talking to him about that, which they should. But then they were like, whoops! Now that we got around to TMP, like we're gonna have to rush through it, and that was what was 
stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah. they should have given them maybe an hour and a half even, quite frankly. Yeah, but, yeah not all these panels need to be created equal. Like, you don't no. need to have, yeah. you know, like, some of them need more time. And there are, I hate to say this, but there are so many panels at these things that are just not worth the trouble. And, like, so you should just... <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate, but true, yeah. Yeah, you should expand some of the more worthwhile ones. And it shows, too, because you can tell they're stretching to make this thing five days. They have some weird panels. Yeah. I mean, I think there will come a time when they will be able to fill five days without a problem. Oh, yeah, like maybe next year. Yeah, right. Maybe a little longer, but like in the next few years. They'll be able to, for sure. Well, I'm glad that you guys brought up the um, DMP panel, because that's honestly the one I was going to say as well was... Maybe my favorite uh, next to the lower decks panel was my favorite panel at the convention. I was yeah because we're certainly all looking like, forward to it. Well, I mean, I and you know, I wasn't as much as you guys are because again, like you said, th- th- this is a thing that you guys already had this really strong interest in, and I liked the film quite a lot. Um, but it wasn't like oh my god, TMP 40th, like I have to be there for this. But I went, and uh, I have to say, my mind was blown after this panel because it's like. I'd never th- actually thought about it in depth as like in terms of how they did these effects and things like I knew, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my it was one of these um, sort of logical uh, inconsistencies where like logically <laughs> I know, you know, I know that they that didn't they couldn't have, have used CG. CGI. They couldn't have. Yeah, I know that because exactly. right. of course they didn't, but they didn't use CGI. You know, yeah. how, yeah. you know, and they're showing well, how yeah. they got some of these shots. And I'm just like, you did what with film yeah. and light? Yeah. And, and you also have to remember it was all done in like seven months. Yeah. Well, they rushed through it. It was all practical. And when he even said that a couple of things, like, I, I remember this has no CGI, CGI whatsoever. And I like, I had to be like, remind myself because we're so used to today you know, there was a point even when CGI was a spectacle and you'd go to see a movie for the CGI. But those days are sure. long gone. Now you see CGI and you don't even bat an eye because anyone can do that. It just takes money, right? You, you yeah. can make anything yep. you want happen in CGI and it looks amazing. So who cares? So, But just to think about visual effects being done in a purely practical way and looking yeah. like and, that. Oh, and, wow. you know, that was the thing about, like, you know, Doug Trumbull was up there talking about, like, there was there was no process to to get this effect done so no, we, we, we came it. up with it on the fly yeah, yeah we invented it and you're just like see that's cool don't rush the man like he has stories like that that like he should right. be and having the, the time uh, to talk about and like you said he had this wonderful powerpoint presentation with clips and all these different awesome photos which a lot of times it's just them talking so it's awesome to have this visual aid uh, it was, i was just my mind was completely blown by it and it really gave me a deeper love for this movie yeah, yeah. And it, so it's really unfortunate that they rushed through it because there would be so much more to talk about with it. But well, and and if you want to know more, oh yeah, I recently did an interview with Mr. Trumbull. Mm-hmm. I guess about three weeks ago about yep. the movie in preparation for STLV. So yep. worth your worth your read. Yeah, or we can uh, we can uh, post the link when we publish the uh, the podcast. But it's worth it's worth a read if you have any interest in the film at all. It's well worth a read. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he had to like check himself into the hospital for exhaustion when he was done trying to make this, yep. the visual effects for this movie. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. Uh, other fun panels, though, I will say is uh, Anson Mount. Of course, is always a delight as a person. Yeah. Uh, delightful was the fact that he then shared the stage with Jason Isaacs. Yeah, and that was very did good. A kind of a almost a buddy comedy routine between the two of them. Not <laughs> not not purposefully. It was just their their natural, you know, yeah, 
their natural sort of way they fell into that. And that was great. And those two had a lot of fun and they both sort of ribbed each other about, you know, being captains in different seasons. And it was great. That was so good. I hope it becomes a regular feature. Yeah. They should absolutely pair those two up again. Yeah, Yeah, totally. yeah, Yeah. All right. Well, do we have anything else to say about STLV? I think that's really all there was to 2019. Well, but okay. but speaking of the motion picture. Speaking hmm. of the motion picture. We have a little bit of news concerning its anniversary. Right. There will be anniversary screenings from Fathom, Fathom Events next month. In theaters near you, maybe. Yeah, I think it's on over 500 screens, actually. Um, yep. Is what, one or two days? Yeah, two, two days. days. September 15th and 18th. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I will be out of the country, so everyone else, please enjoy it for me. I purchased my tickets yesterday. Me and a couple of my friends will be going on the 15th. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see it. I haven't seen it with an, with an audience since 1979. So oh, it'll man. be... Uh... I've never <laughs> seen it in theater. Well, I was, uh, I was six years... I, I only remember fragments of it. I was six years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Unfortunately, it appears it's going to be an old transfer of the movie and not mm-hmm. anything remotely fresh, like a 4K right. upgrade or anything yeah. like that. So but, that's, the, that's yeah, really a misfire there. Yeah, It's so cool yeah, that they're doing but, something. Yes, I agree. They, they and I'm, I'm going... Yeah, yeah, they are. I'm very pleased that they're doing something. And I'm basically going for the group experience. I just yeah. want to see how everybody, yeah. you know... Yeah. So that's and of course that's this is the theatrical version because as we talked about on our last podcast, there is no nice version of the director's edition yet. Right. But they are working on that. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. ETA? Uh, uh I would say spring or summer of next year at the earliest. That's yeah. not bad. That's pretty soon it's gonna happen. That's at the that's sooner. that's at the earliest though. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> More well, likely, like, more like we, likely, like next year, like late next year, okay. probably. Yeah. Well, like we talked about in the last one, the nice part is a lot of those guys who were involved in making it uh, kept both kept copious notes, and a lot of them kept their own, their CG assets. So you just have to ask them, and they will, like to to take them back off the disc or whatever, and you know, get them ready again. So. Like yeah. Darren, Darren Doctorman, who was involved, oh, he most definitely has all his assets because oh, just, no for, question. just for fun, he'll periodically re-render his motion picture <laughs> enterprise. That's so cool. So like, so those guys, like they have them and they have access to them. It's just about everybody saying, go, you know, go ahead, do it. Here's the money. Do it. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And when I interviewed Doug Trumbull, he mentioned, I mentioned the project to him. He didn't know about it at the time. And he said that it's possible that in the Paramount vaults somewhere that there is the original 65 millimeter elements of the visual Whoa. effects, which would be awesome to go back and get that. So they theoretically could rescan everything as in 65 millimeter resolution. And like, it would look pretty oh. freaking awesome. Oh, it would be because, I have to see it because as he said, they did it for the Blade Runner Blu-ray and the Blade oh, Runner Blu-ray those, is spectacular. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Blade Runner in uh, in its in 4K is, I mean, you aside from some of the dated fashion part of it that p- pins in the 80s, you would not know that. Like it looks fan freaking tastic. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. so hopefully yeah. that. So hopefully project, that they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it all exists, and hopefully this project will come together. But in the meantime, go see the theatrical version next yep. month. 
Yep, let Paramount know yes, that. Yes, vote with you, your wallets you want, by vote paying. with your wallets, folks. Yeah. 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 If you if you really want to see TMP done in, in the proper way, show up. Yeah, let Paramount know. Yep. All right. What else do we have? Oh, the writing team for the yeah. Nick cartoon, which so we, we don't, really still don't really know much no, about. Sadly, they won't give us a title. They won't really tell us. You know, they won't even get like a two sentence synopsis or anything. Mm-hmm. They're trying to keep it kind of mysterious. And this is the Nickelodeon but produced cartoon. That's this for is kids. the Nickelodeon, right? Correct. This is the kids one on Nickelodeon, which which now is another reason why. Yeah, yeah as part of this the will probably CBS yeah. Viacom family. That's right. Mm-hmm. So people who are. Yep. So yep. people who were worried, I've seen a lot of this worry that people were like, well, I want to check it out, but I'm, you know, I don't care like to have a, you know, standard, like a typical cable subscription that includes Nickelodeon. So how am I going to see it? Well, here you go. You have all access for other yeah. truck things. It's probably um, going to be Nick, on all access. Nick content is planned to be on all access. There you go. Very soon. It'll all be one thing anyway. And you can watch yep. it. Yep. So, yep. Um, but but aside from that, so the the guys that are developing it, the Hagman brothers, Dan and Kevin, who have uh, their name is all over stuff, especially kid stuff. If you look, they did like Troll Hunters and Ninjago, and they're actually the the screenwriters for the really creepy version of Scary Score Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that's about to come out. Like it's a horror, the horror movie. They're adapting that, which was always a freaky. Do you remember those books? I do. As a kid, those are freaky. Um, no, I think that was after that's my time. Pro- that's probably just after your time, but I definitely remember them. <clears throat> for And uh, they're adapting it into a freaky horror movie, which is kind of like messed up. Like it's kind of, an, it, I don't know why they're doing that because it's supposed to be, they're supposed to freak kids out, but it, they're almost copying too much like, you know, those creepy like movies that people like. I'm like, ah, but these are supposed to be aimed at like teens. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> those guys are developing it and so a few weeks ago just before what was that just after uh comic-con and just before you know star trek las vegas they just kind of dropped a little photo of the writer's room on social media mm-hmm. and it was and tagged most people so we could figure out their names and stuff and we're like oh cool and so there's some nice just you know nice notes of people who are like saying they're thrilled to be part of this writer's room and there's a nice note from a guy who's a pretty well experienced. Um, he may be the showrunner. We're not sure, but he's an experienced um, animation veteran who's worked with those guys a bunch. Named Aaron Waltke, and he has a great tweet that says, "My first memory with my dad is sitting in the living room in Indiana, watching the pilot episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation as it premiered live. Excited to be writing and producing Star Trek with so many talented people. Time to explore strange new worlds." Woo-hoo. So that's nice. Like, that's really yeah, cool. Totally. And a bunch of other people, you know, replied to that who were tagged in it and said that they're stoked to be come on board and like they're really excited to, you know, write for this cartoon and yada yada. So we'll see. Again, they won't, they can't say much, but at least everybody's being really like positive and is interested in it. Right. But that's probably a couple of years away. <clears throat> I think so, yeah. Because they're, I mean, they only just assembled. Year. Exactly. They only just yeah. assembled that writer's room like now. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> so. right. So. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with that. Yeah. And speaking of writer's rooms for, you know, this, this Star Trek universe of shows, um, oh, yeah. we also learned that the season one scripts for the Picard show are complete. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So they finished yeah. writing season one. Yeah, Michael Shabon posted, I think, on Instagram, a picture of Kirk fighting the Gorn. Yeah. And said yeah. that, much like Kirk fighting the Gorn, he has wrestled, uh, something along these lines, he's wrestled the, the season finale script to the ground or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. And uh, so I, he's finished his draft. That doesn't mean it's completely finished. It means, you know. It's close. It's close. Still, it will go through other passes, obviously, by him and maybe Kurtzman or somebody else. But they are getting near the end. They must be on episode eight by now, producing production wise. Yeah, yeah. They 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 had three left to do at the time of uh, like Las Vegas. So yeah, yeah. They're they're done. Like the they're almost done at this point. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're getting near the finish line of filming. There's lots to of do filming. in post production. Oh yeah, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Just have to point that out for people who think, oh, yeah, they're done. Like, the show oh, can yeah. premiere now. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it right. can't. That's why it's not yeah. coming out until 2020. Right. Right. So hopefully we'll see it in January, February time frame. Yep. I have a we feeling can speculate later. I have a yeah. feeling it'll be like a lot like the sort of the disco time, and then it shows up in, um, when did that show? When did season two Discovery start? February, I think. Because remember, we have six short treks to tide us over. Until That's we, right. So. Right. Right. So those should start up, I imagine, next month or so. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. We're going to be back into the never-ending um, turnstile of Star Trek content coming. Well, soon. at least those are once a month, so that'll be good. It's true. It's true. But I don't mean that. I say that in sort of tired and and you know negative way. But I, it's a good thing. I like that we're having a never-ending turnstile of Star Trek content. It's what we wanted. It's just a lot to talk. about. It's just a lot to talk. but speaking of star trek discovery season two another little bit of news we got um and that matt wrote up for the site is that they have announced the season two Mm blu-rays so a lot like they did last year in the middle of a discovery panel so i mean this this pretty much follows the exact kind of cadence release cadence that they did last year which is which was in the middle of a discovery panel last year at las vegas they announced the season one blu-ray so in the middle of Anson Mount's panel this year at Sergeant Las Vegas, they uh, had a little interruption of sorts and an announcement that season two of Discovery will show up on, in November, just like season one did last year. So it's November. And uh, that's nice news. Only... Some news to get at, yeah, in Vegas. That's We're good. happy with that. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. Um, and then uh, other, other regions outside of the U S and Canada kind of trickle down throughout November and December. We have the, all the dates on trekmovie.com so check it out uh the only thing that was a little surprising i have to say is we kind of figured they just throw in all of the short treks as like a bonus material um and they instead they chose to only include runaway and the brightest star because those directly relate to season two episodes you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting and you know so people of course instantly went huh well, well where's the rest of them yeah and it's a legit question. It is a good question. It's a bizarre choice. And the official CBS answer is basically just like, well, those two directly tie into season two. We have, you know, unannounced future plans for the rest of them. So who knows what that means? Okay. And you can't release <laughs> them twice, I guess. Mm, well, yeah. Calypso will probably be tied into season three. So, yeah. yeah. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. It's but weird. My hunch is kind of that they may do a short tracks like collection with the that's yeah, what I'm thinking yeah. too. With, but then with why the 2019 group just release? You know? But we could release it more than once. Like you can have it be a Blu-ray 
featurette and also part of his collection. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Why do that? Why do that when they could put more money? They could take more money out of your pocket. Well, it's also certainly. It's going to say it's also certainly about cost because it it means more costs of like disc replication and stuff. Because I bet you to have all of them on there meant like they would need one more disc. They have to spread things out further. Yeah, and then they're like, "No, why would we do that? We can get away with having you know four disc set, and if we had to include them all, we'd have to make it a five disc set. Right. So screw it, right, you know, right. that kind of thing." So I mean, you know, there's definitely some kind of business reason for it, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. There you go, it's fine, no big deal. It, it is, it is what it is. So, um, and Ansem Mount said that he recorded, well, since it was announced during his panel, he was able to chime in so that he recorded two commentaries for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Those should be good because Ansem Mount is an interesting fellow. He's nice. He's pl- very pleasant to listen to. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't listened to his podcast, it's, it's pretty fun. But he's 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 a nice guy, like interesting to he listen is. to. Um, yeah, Anson's a generally a genuinely nice dude. Yeah, and he has the leading man looks and the leading man voice, so he's not bad to listen to on a commentary. I'm sure either. Um, he said that he recorded a commentary with Frakes, which of course that should be fun. No surprise, that's New Eden, which is a great episode. So I'm looking forward to that commentary with the two of them together. And he recorded one with Ethan Peck. So that's, those should be good commentaries. Good mm-hmm. bonuses and there. His podcast is, I think you're referring to The Well Podcast? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. It's enjoyable. And the last little bit of news, also sort of speaking of things on Blu-ray and availability, is uh, What We Left Behind, you know, the DS9 documentary, it, uh, was, has now, is now out. It's out. It came out last week. So, Woo-hoo. so it's it's out, but it's not out. Depending on how you count it, it's out uh, on physical media anywhere in the U.S. and Canada for the moment. It is not out in physical media over anywhere else, but it is out on like you know to for like digital download purchase in a lot of places now. Internationally, so, yeah. Internationally, yeah. iTunes has it. Yeah. Um, in 4K. They, yeah, which is weird, but well doesn't quite make sense but that's another <laughs> technical thing um uh so itunes and you know the amazon like not prime but just like amazon's you know bought to buy google play all those kinds of things have it in various places and then itunes has it they negotiated for itunes to have it in most of the countries you know of most of most of your most of europe weirdly they're still working on details for like germany and the netherlands france italy and spain and it's weird. It's kind of unfortunate because uh, Germany is huge is huge on Star Trek, and it's yeah, weirdly... they're they're the biggest European Trek fans by far. Well, oh, outside, yeah. outside of the UK, yeah, and then um... <laughs> although is the UK European anymore? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, hmm. um, that's yeah. Way to get political. They, well, <laughs> to be fair, the, 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 the people in the UK never say they're from the, Europe because they're, an, they're, they're an island they're, completely separate. They're their own. Yeah, right. So anyway, outside of the UK, it, Germany is, is, yeah, it's weird that they're, so they're still working on the rights or whatever to ha- get them in those countries. Um, they're trying to work on that. They're working on that very soon. And then in theory, they're also hoping to have, to work out an international distributor for a physical release, but that's a whole other can of worms that we don't really have any news on. And there's also no news in case people don't want to own it but just want to stream it somehow like you know like you would find a, a documentary on netflix or amazon prime or something they still there's no you know that's that that's another phase of marketing like yeah. they won't yeah. they they need to try and sell it first so no yeah. that's not anywhere yet 
It will be, though. It will be eventually, I assume. For the love of Spock is on Netflix right now. so Right, so eventually they'll, they'll sell it. But in the beginning, they need to try and actually sell copies of it to mm-hmm, get back mm-hmm. some investment. So go buy your copy. Yeah, it's it's worth for sure. Yeah, it's worth if it. If you want, if you want to see more Star Trek documentaries, vote with your wallet, people. Again, yeah, Rick's right. Vote with your wallet. Um, though not made by CBS, you better believe CBS is paying attention to how this oh, yeah. does. And you know, these guys did have to pay some very serious like licensing fees to CBS to do it. So it's not cheap, and they're all you know everybody's everybody's looking at what what this does. So it's important. Hmm. All right. all right, guys. Well, I think that's all the time we that's have for we today. Um, yeah. We covered a lot of things. Um, we did. So, yeah, that's all the time we have for today. So tune in again next pod to hear us talk about more random Star Trek stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody.